0: Hello everyone, it's Paul Cerro, Portfolio Manager of Cedar Grove Capital. Today is June 22nd, and you're listening to our next recent installment of our equity research called XPOF, Unit Growth and Driver Operational Leverage, and why AUVs near pre-pandemic levels plus unit growth fuel margin expansion. So back in January of this year, we released our research on exponential fitness and revealed our long position in the name. A link to original research that breaks down the business and our thoughts can be found here, as well as my chat with Chit Chat Money about the company as well. What we didn't touch base on was how their growth will help expand their operational leverage and thus profitable margins. So this is that post. How Exponential Fitness is a home run based on our original findings earlier in the year. It starts at the top. And to note, this is to help visually uh, understand the potential of what the company can achieve All projections are a matter of illustration based on past performance, management guidance, and conservative growth figures. So let's start with studio and AUV growth. In the most recent quarterly statement, Q1 of 2022, the company stated that it had 2,030 studios open in North America with another 1,870 contractually obligated to open under existing franchise agreements. Additionally, they had 199 studios open internationally with another 950 contractually obligated to open in 12 countries. So, in total, we have 2,229 open studios with another 2,820 that need to be opened. Not bad. Understanding how Topline grows so well comes from a few factors. Number one is average unit volume, or AUV. Secondly, is unit growth, or the actual physical units. Without enticing AUV for the franchisees, there will be less demand to open one which slows down studio growth and overall revenue for the company from the fees that the studios will eventually generate. So, how do we quantify these two points? Well, management believes that system wide sales, better known as SWS, will be at $1 billion at the midpoint, with the expectation that they will open 500 to 520 studios this year. So, let's call it 510 as what we'll use as our annual studio opening run rate. Additionally, the company said the run rate AUV is at $477,000 in North America but will go off the 450000 in the quarterly statement to loop in international and newly opened studios as well. AUVs have been making progress getting back to pre-COVID levels and are just a stone's throw away. It's also near the $500,000 2 year target that management outlined in their S1, with 25 to 30% even in margins representing a cash cash-on-cash return of about 40% based on $350,000 opening cost. Factoring in the above, with a modest 2% annual increase to AUV, whether it be from pricing or increased attendance, with a mid-quarter opening cycle for the studios, we arrive with the below. Uh, Given linear growth, for visual purposes only, the company can double system-wide sales by fiscal year 26 and nearly 4,600 studios open at the same time. I will caveat this by saying that this is a very conservative model, as management might be able to speed up the pace of openings, which then has a direct impact on system-wide sales and other fees especially when it comes to international openings and how those license sales get recognized. So now that we can visually map out system-wide sales based on unit growth, let's start addressing the operational leverage component of the business. Asset light model. As I mentioned in my original article, Exponential Fitness is not an owner and operator of boutique fitness studios. Their goal is to own the brand, so the IP, and sell the licenses and collect fees from the studios operating. While they have historically owned studios in the past, These were taken over by them with the sole purpose of turning them around and reselling them to new franchisees. So since they didn't technically own or operate any stores as their core model, currently they operate 20 but plan on getting rid of them by the end of the year, their operating expenses are quite different. Because they derive most of their money from fees, they don't need to pay for store level employees, store level leases, back end level infrastructure, or basically anything else to operate a business. All these take up a huge amount of expenses, but the company gets to forego all these When they don't have studios on the books and gets to limit their exposure to just corporate level expenses. So let's talk about the core expenses here. If we then don't have to worry about the burden of store level costs weighing down on margins, what are the main expenses that Exponential Fitness recognizes? Well, there's three main ones. One is the cost of product revenue, which primarily consists of the cost of equipment and merchandise related to freight charges. Two, the cost of franchise and service revenue, primarily include commissions paid to brokers and sales personnel related to the signing of franchise agreements, travel and personnel expenses related to the on-site training provided to the franchisees, hosting expenses related to their digital platform revenue and expenses related to the purchase of technology packages and related monthly fees. And lastly, SG&A, so costs associated with administrative and franchisee support functions related to an existing business as well as growth and development activities. The first two points are a function of doing business from selling actual licenses etc while the last point is an expense that in theory doesn't need to scale as quickly as growth scales since it's more of a support related expense so if we take the expenses above and how they've been trending over the last few fiscal years they're very encouraging so for those of you listening in i have a chart here um, from fiscal year 18 to fiscal year uh, 21 for cost of revenues and selling general administrative expenses all have trended downwards so for cost of revenue, uh, in fiscal year 18, it went down from 74% to 55.3% uh, in fiscal year 21. And for the same time period, um, I'm sorry, that was for uh, sg and but for the cost of revenues, it went down from 49.4% to 18.9% as a percent of sales. So I would note that the uptick from fiscal year 20 to fiscal year 21 in sg and is mainly a result of the franchises uh, that the company took over Um, but are planning on rolling off. The growth in top line and decrease of expenses related to doing business has really helped Expecial Fitness with adjusted EBITDA margins, expanding roughly 3,550 basis points over the last three years. Uh, To give you a picture here for those listening in, uh, adjusted EBITDA margins in fiscal year eighteen were negative 17.9%, and if we fast forward to this most recent fiscal year of 21, there are positive 17.6%, so pretty impressive. So to do a quick recap of how this is playing out, post-COVID return to in-person fitness is what ends up fueling AUV growth. You know More people attending, attendance goes up, more people pay, etc. Growing AUVs then translates to more franchisees wanting to open studios. More studios means more system-wide sales and then more revenue from the fees that are generated. Faster top-line growth with slower growing expenses equals margin expansion. And margin expansion is the key here from the expanding operating leverage and is also one of the three main drivers of total shareholder returns. More on that uh, in the link I provided if you're interested. It's a very quick chart with a few um, bullet points for a summary. So let's talk about the growth potential. While I visually mapped out how the company will grow top-line, here's what I'm thinking about for what type of margins the company can eventually achieve. To get what kind of margins the company is capable of getting, we need to understand how the company gets its revenue, which is derived from a few areas. One is franchise revenue, which includes revenue exponential fitness earns from franchise agreements and area development agreements, including a 70 percent royalty fee off the top of all franchisee crow sales. Two, equipment revenue. Includes equipment revenue for, st- for new studios, installation of equipment, and replacement equipment for existing studios. Three, merchandise revenue. It's generated from the sale of branded and non-branded merchandise to the franchisees for retail sales to members at the physical studios. Four, franchise marketing fund revenue. So exponential fitness actually collects a marketing fee of 2% of gross sales from all franchisees. This helps you know, with just general marketing, PR, etc., cetera, to get the name out there for these brands. And then five other service revenue, which includes digital platform revenue earned from subscriptions to exponential fitness's web-based classes, commissions earned from certain uh, franchisees used for preferred vendors, and vouchers sold through third parties, allowing trial classes at local studios operated by franchise, all of which considered recurring revenue. So there are five categorical revenue streams with points one and four and five considered recurring revenue based on how its components are recognized on a rolling basis. Given now you understand a little more about how the company makes money, visualizing how the company can quickly scale growth and margins are highlighted below. For those of you that are listening in, uh, top line growth is growing very, very well, and we're getting uh, even a margin close to 40 percent by fiscal year 26. So as you can see, growth can continue ramping up as long as the company continues selling licenses, collecting revenue for all their intricacies of doing so. So think training, territory, technology fees, et cetera. The recurring revenue is a big component of the business because it really helps create this snowball effect to push things to the next level. This growth will help Exponential achieve the 40, over 40% margins that they're aiming to eventually uh, target. If you factor in zero multiple expansion, granted, this is all hypothetical here, but if you factor in zero multiple expansion, 11 times fiscal year 26 adjusted EBITDA, factoring the same net debt and shares outstanding, you know they're already free, fa- free cash flow positive, so they don't need to do any equity dilution, you arrive at a price of about $79 a share. So granted, this is all for illustrative purposes and should not be taken as proper due diligence, All this is based on the continued success of the management team, but I would be amiss if I didn't outline the potential risks involved. So let's talk about these risks. So just like I started this post, I will be, you'll get the top of the list for potential risks for this whole model. So one is that unit growth actually stalls. Given rising rates, financing a store opening might become more difficult, which leads to slower annual growth, Uh, but the requirements to open a studio vary widely, but the same still stands for all of them all require liquid capital of at least $100,000 and a minimum of $500,000 net worth. So people who qualify are in good standing financially. That's the caveat here. Uh, risk number two is a global recession. That's on everybody's minds. So rising rates and record modern inflation are making the everyday consumer feel the pain in their wallets. All this chatter has been many speaking about a recession uh, soon to come if we aren't already in one. With consumer sentiment and a free fall and at an all time low, consumers might decide to pull back on many areas of discretionary spending. Fitness is one of them. With lower attendance comes lower membership revenue and thus lower AUVs. This all funnels down to Exponential Fitness's bottom line. I will admit that boutique fitness studios typically have higher intent members than traditional gym goers due to the community and social aspect of these classes. While not perfect, they do attract a different type of fitness enthusiast. Additionally, the average member pays about $90 a month for their membership uh, to Exponential Witnesses' brands, while the average gym-goer pays about $50 a month. What's also encouraging is that the IHRSA also released positive trends uh, data the other day, stating an increasing overall percentage of Americans used at least one health club or studio, reaching 27% of the population, the highest total on record. So this goes to show, at least for now, that tailwinds are still there. So the bottom line, exponential fitness has the right idea for rolling up new fitness concepts and staying in an asset-like model. It will allow them to scale quickly and efficiently across all markets and reach profitability much faster than other new consumer brands. Having a management team that were former operators adds to the validity that they know how to grow and scale strategically, which has been shown in the past financial statements. I'm excited about this opportunity for a relatively new and uh, coming fitness company and understand the potential that it can realize. So, full disclosure, guys, we do currently have a stock uh, position in Exponential Fitness at the time of writing this article, but we appreciate you listening in. Until next time, guys, this is Paul Serro from Cedar Grove Capital. Thanks a lot.